I'm pleased to be here, Pete. Pete, thank you. That's my new name. I love it. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest is Jeff Garriston, the general manager of the Yakima Valley Pippins. Everyone should applaud me for getting that out of my mouth without stumbling on it too much. Jeff, but you said Garriston. Jeff. Please correct me publicly. Say say your name for us. <laughs> it's it's Garrettson. 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 I, I think that's right. I hope okay. it's right. Jeff is insisting that his name is Garrettson. That's what we're going to say. Jeff Garrettson. <laughs> I can't say it. We're going to leave this in. We're just going to go. Jeff, welcome. Thank you for allowing me to bumble my way through an introduction. I, I'm pleased to be here, Pete. Pete. Thank you. That's my new name. I love it. All right. So it's Jeff and Pete show. Okay. So, Jeff, you're the GM for the Yakima Valley Pippins. Let's start with the backstory. How did you take on this position? What what led you to being this job? Uh, the the technical, the official explanation of how this happened uh, just sort of fell backwards into it. Uh, when the Pippins came to town uh, in 2014. I was uh, working at the Yakima Herald Republic. Uh, I was news editor there. Um, Before that, I worked in various other capacities there. I I originally got my start there in sports. And um, one day the operations director called me and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to be the official scorer. Do you know anyone who's qualified? And despite what people think, Scoring a baseball game is not easy, and I am I'm very particular on that because everybody thinks that they can do that. Of course, in this day and age, we all think that we can do everything, right? Um, YouTube. I Just said, look it up on uh, YouTube. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, great resource, but and you can learn to score on YouTube. But still, you know, it's it really is uh, like playing the game itself. It's it's really a skill. And I said, you know, I I really don't know anybody um, who. I would totally trust to do it, but hey, let me see if I'm available and I'll let you know. And I checked with my boss. My boss was fine with it. And I said, hey, I'll, I'll do it. Um, you know, I've, I've got a job, so I'll just, I'll just do it on my own time and happy to help out. So that's how I got started the first year with the Pippins. I was just the official scorer. Uh, that winter, uh, the, the president of the, uh, the two teams that we have in the West Coast League, uh, the Walla Walla Sweets, who were founded in 2010, and the Pippins. Uh, his name is Zachary Frazier. Uh, he came to town uh, during the winter uh, between the 14 and 15 seasons, and uh, I knew he was coming to town, so we just grabbed lunch. And at that time, the beat writer for the Pippins, a good friend of mine, Roger Underwood, um, he had covered the team in the first year. And I told Zachary at lunch, I said, hey, at some point, Roger's going to ask you about uh, how your search for a new GM is going. The GM in 2014, Danny Tetzloff, he's the GM at, uh, for the Everett Aqua Sox. Uh, he was assistant GM here when the Yakima Bears were here back in the early 2000s. Great baseball guy. Um, and uh, Danny had decided to move along. So I said, hey, Roger's going to ask uh, what's going on with the GM position. And... Zachary just point blank said, why are you interested? And I just kind of laughed and smiled at him and said, no, you know, I've got a full-time job. I'm very happy with what I'm doing. Um, and we just kind of dropped it from there. And then it kind of stuck in my mind, in the back of my mind a little bit. And a couple months later, he was back in town. I think it was around March. Uh, and he brought it up again. And just said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, you know, acting GM for the Pippins this summer, but I'm gonna have to hire someone soon, moving into the next year. So, if you're interested in that, you know, let me know, and we should talk about it." And I thought about it a little bit more, and we started talking about it. Um, 
And because I worked in a media organization, it was a little interesting trying to traverse uh, keeping something private like that while we were going through discussions uh, and uh, then kind of announcing it. Uh, and that's a whole different story. Uh, but it was uh, it was something that I thought long and hard about. And I just decided, hey, if this is if I'm ever going to make a career change, this is the time to do it. And things just fell into place happily, luckily. Uh, and uh, it's I've been there ever since. So it's it's been one heck of a ride so far. OK. Question I'm asking all of your your peers is what's a typical day for you like right now that we're recording this it's early april what's what's a typical april day look like for you well my april days this year and my march days and my late february days this year have been anything but typical um, we have been undergoing a construction project, uh, actually two construction projects out at the stadium since late, uh, February. So it's basically 1030 in the morning right now. Um, I've been out at the stadium since around 630 this morning, getting construction folks into the stadium, uh, then running back home because we're about to lose power out at the stadium for the next two days. So, you know, really, I think and I think you probably heard this from most people, uh, there is no such thing as a typical day. Uh, every day has kind of the same elements, uh, especially in the off season, you're always selling a product or approaching uh, new people uh, about whatever the product is, whether it's sponsorship or tickets or a group night or getting uh, a promotion lined up or, or something like that. But that's, I, I think to me, that is part of the fun of the whole process because there is not a typical day. Uh, and if you get bogged down in, in one area um, or you just need a break from one area, you, you have so many other things that you can be doing that <laughs> you're, you're always in a mode where you can find something to re-energize and refresh yourself. And I think that that's one of the, the most fun things about the job especially in the off season, uh, you kind of make your own day, you know what you need to get done. Um, mm -hmm. but how you approach it, uh, physically, how you approach it mentally, how you approach it emotionally is, is totally up to you. And, and that's one of the things that's very exciting to me almost every day. Now, now Jeff, I'm going to tell you that all your, your counterparts said they have very structured days, very predictable days. I'm kidding. He, I'm I don't kidding. believe that. At I'm all. completely kidding. All of you have said, it's almost like you've all scripted the answer. I, I kid, but everybody has, has referenced that you, you work on this for a while. You set that aside. You go over here, you work on something else. This comes up, you take it, you know, and it's, if you're, if you're bored, give it 15 minutes and you'll have a new, you know, something completely new will pop. And not that you're bored, but you know, something will change. It's like the joke about Seattle. If you don't like the weather, it'll change in 15 minutes. You're fine. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's my my life in the media, which I also loved very much and and really could have uh, I could still be there today if if this opportunity hadn't come along. One of the things that did not change in that job is it was very structured. You do this, you do this, you do this. You're, it's you know, it's coming up on Christmas. So you're going to do these types of stories human interest stories. You're going to do this during the summer. You're going to do di this during election season. And it's the same thing year in and year out. There's really not a lot of variety. But in this job, uh, there is a ton of variety. And for someone who, uh, you know, loves the excitement of change, and I do love change, um, every day is, is something just can be totally different. And I adapt to that very well. A lot of people don't like change and don't like being out of that structure, but I love it when things go off the rails uh, because really as GMs in, in, in our ballparks as GMs, that's what happens or what can happen every night. And it's up to us to quickly identify the problems, pivot on a dime and fix them. And, you know, whether it's uh, the GM of a baseball team whether it's someone who's running, uh, you know, Key Arena, the Sundome here in Yakima, um, a theater, 
it's the stuff that goes wrong that you have to keep from everyone else. You keep the fans, you keep the guests happy, and they're totally unaware of the chaos that is going on around them. Uh, but that's that's the exciting part to me. And uh, if if everything is falling apart and nobody knows, that's then you've been a, a success if you can if you can fix it and and the show goes on. So that's that's the fun to me. Okay. You mentioned stadium renovations. What what's going to be um, ha- what what renovations are currently in process with the with the ballpark? So the this ballpark was built in 90, 1993, and uh, the first part of the construction renovations was uh, replacing all of the old seats. So that project actually just wrapped up a day and a half ago. Uh, so there are new chair back seats. They're the same style of seat that is in T-Mobile Park. Um, green legends, uh, hussy seats. Um, and, uh, the green color matches our, our team colors. I'm very mm-hmm. happy about that. Um, so that was the first project that took about four and a half, five and a half weeks, uh, from wow. start to finish. Uh, and they even took a week off in between there. Um, so that was the first part. The second part, um, there are some structural repairs that were needed, uh, that are not fan facing, uh, just parts of the stadium, uh, the roofing on some of the offices and and rooms underneath the the stands in the concession stands, the clubhouse. Uh, that project is currently undergoing uh, continued uh, continuing process. Uh, new paint job, uh, some upgrades uh, around uh, other portions of the stadium that people will see. Uh, but in the end, uh, you know, that's uh, supposed to be done by the end of April. And at our meeting this morning, everything appears to be on track. So just a lot of different work that uh, is much needed out there. And, uh, you know, thanks to Yakima County for uh, finding a way to to get that done. Uh, but I think the fan experience is going to be increased. I think the fans will really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, every time everything gets a new paint job, it's it's like it's brand new. So that's right. uh, I can't complain about that either. Oh, that's that's exciting. Let's I want to come back to your typical day. So I'm going to hold you to remind me to that. But let's let's go back to 2014. How did the Pippins come to come to play ball in the West Coast League. What what was the the impetus there that brought them to life? So when the Yakima Bears came back to town uh, in 1990, they were a short season A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They played at Yakima Valley College at Parker Field. And the owners at that time, uh, they wanted their own place to play. So... Uh, the county had some uh, leftover money from uh, the Sundome construction project that had been completed a couple of years earlier, and they got some additional funding. Uh, and so they were able to carve out a little track of land at State Fair Park. And uh, the county stadium was uh, was built in 93 and the bears played there from 93 until uh, 2012 because of changing minor league baseball standards you know there are certain standards for stadiums they want they want their professional players to play in you know professional parks um some of those standards had changed uh over the years since county stadium had originally been built and there was just no upgrade path uh, that was pleasing to uh, the team, uh, the taxpayers, the county, the city. And so unfortunately, uh, the, the team decided to relocate uh, and they, they moved to Hillsboro, Oregon. They're now the Hillsboro Hops. Uh, okay. Same management um, there, uh, but for, you know, close to you know, 20 years, they uh, provided an entry back into professional baseball for Yakima. 
So they left after the 2012 season, and in 2013, the field at County Stadium just uh, remained dormant, uh, except for the high school 1A and 2A state championships that are that have been played out there for most years, uh, COVID notwithstanding. Uh, in 2013, the, the, the stadium w- was just down. And the ownership group uh, of the Walla Walla Suites decided, hey, they they were interested in fielding another team. Uh, they entered into negotiations, uh, which took a while, as, as these things do, uh, to see if County Stadium was available. And it turns out that it was. And they came to an agreement, and the Pippins were born and started play in early June in 2014. And, you know, for me, for someone who's been – uh, in baseball all my life, kind of born into a baseball family. Um, you know, there was, there's nothing better than having uh, baseball in town, you know, no matter what level. And what I grew up around and what my, my dad, my grandfather uh, were heavily involved in was American Legion baseball here in town. And so, you know, those are all, all high school kids and, uh, you know, playing their hearts out every summer, trying to get into college ball, eventually hoping to uh, to get into pro ball. And so as much as uh, as exciting as it was to get the Bears back into town um, and to have them out at County Stadium when they left uh, and the West Coast League uh, through the Pippins came to town, that was something that that really resonated with me. And that first night on opening night, as I'm official scorer that first night, I, I'm sitting right next to um, the beat writer, Roger Underwood. And I would mention to him as we were just sort of surveying and and taking in the whole experience, there were 3,200 people there that night. uh, And it was just, it was just crazy fun. Um, but I said to him, you know, there, there's something I can't put my finger on this, but there's something different about this than what was the Bears. And when the Bears came back to town, I was actually the beat writer uh, for the first two and a half, three seasons uh, for them. Okay. And I okay. just told Roger, there's just something different about this. The vibe is different about what's going on on the field. And it took me several weeks um, to figure it out. And it's later in the summer. and. Roger and I, as we're talking every night, I just said, okay, I figured this out. I said, this is reminding me of Legion baseball. This reminds me of what I spent my childhood wandering around stadiums when dad was coaching and my brother and I were bat boys or we were, you know, doing whatever we were doing when we were younger around the stadium. And that's, that's the vibe that it gave me. And it felt to me much more natural, um, much more Yakima, much more home to me than, uh, I had felt in a long time being around a game. And so that's that's kind of that's kind of the vibe that I'm trying to to continue out there. And I think that for the most part we have. Uh, there are always things that we do differently every year. We just try things. Um, but that's kind of how how I expect the experience to be. Uh, every single day, every single night out there for me. Okay. Well, let's come back now to a typical day. I know you're going to tell me there's no such thing, but what's a typical day for you during the season? How early are you showing up to the park, et cetera, et cetera? Okay. This is where I will be different from, from the other GMs in the league. I typically get, to the park on game days, um, you know, like I have been the last several weeks, I'm usually there by six 30 or seven o'clock in the morning. Um, there, I have my own ritual of going through the ballpark every single day. And it's been that way since I've been younger when, um, you know, when my grandfather, when he was out of coaching, but was, the groundskeeper at Parker field, uh, for the Legion team, you know, sometimes my brother and I would go with him, uh, and he'd go out to the field early and, and get things, you know, mow the, mow the outfield, get things done. And I'm very much the, in that same mindset, I get to the field really early, uh, whether we've played the night before or whether it's the first game of a homestand. And I just, I, especially at County stadium, 
I have a specific path that I go and I unlock the doors that need to get unlocked. I unlock the elevator. I go up into the stadium bowl. I walk around just see what's see if, the, if there's anything out of place. I grab the flags. I walk around behind the stadium, put up the flags. So, you know, the flags are up by uh, you know, seven o'clock, seven thirty in the morning for a game that doesn't start for 12 hours later. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I just sort of take in that, peaceful moment. Um, and that really starts my day and it makes for a really long day, but by the time that I'm leaving at 10 30, 11, 11 30 at night, uh, and doing the same thing the next day, I really don't get tired of that. Um, by three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon, as game day employees are starting to show up and, uh, interns are well into their routine of getting things set up. Um, you know, I've already put in eight, nine hours at the ballpark, but I don't feel tired. I don't feel overwhelmed by anything. It's just always been part of my life and how I grew up. And so I connect with the ballpark in that way. And it really makes things um, much more peaceful for me. It helps me keep my sanity because uh, I know that things are going to start going uh, in many different directions in just an hour, two hours later, once team teams show up, players show up. Um, and so, I mean, that's how I keep keep my feet grounded uh, throughout a normal day. I just start really early. There's always something to do at the ballpark. There's always uh, a phone call to answer, an email to answer, or someone to reach out to. Um, so for me, that's uh, what I'm doing right now with long days. I, I just continue that through the summer. And then I think at some point in mid to late August, I just collapse and go into a coma for several weeks. But, you know, that's a different story. <laughs> okay. If I were to come down to the, the ballpark, July, August, just arbitrarily, middle of summer, what am I going to experience at a Pippins game that I'm not going to experience at another team in the West Coast League? I think for the most part, you know, you're going to get the same vibe because we're all trying to go for that same vibe. Um, you know, these these are college athletes who are trying to get to the next level. So there is, uh, there's a ton of heart, there's a ton of energy, there's a ton of excitement. Um, that resonate from the baseball operations side, the, the team side. But really what, what we're going for here in Yakima is, you know, just a place for, uh, for everyone to gather. We're trying to make County Stadium a gathering point all summer long. Um, one of the, so, you know, it's, it's not really you're going out to, to watch a ball game, although that's kind of why we're all, we're all there. Uh, but more, more than that, it's just a place to to congregate and to relax and to have a good time with friends and family. Um, you know, there's a, an excitement there, obviously, if if you're there and, you know, we hit a walk off home run and, every, you know, in front of a crowd of 2,000, 2,500 people and everyone's just going crazy. And there's a ton of excitement around that. Um, but in that same scenario, you know, that, that walk-off homer that just clears the fence, uh, to win it for the home team, you know, down the road, that home run suddenly becomes a 500 foot blast and, you know, it knocked down a shed in the outfield and, you know, you embellish how, just how much fun it was. And, and nobody remembers the score. Nobody, eventually you forget who hit the home run, but that ball just keeps going farther and farther and farther and farther. It's still, in, it's still traveling. Yeah. I'm sure it's knocking satellites out of orbit uh, at, of at some, some level, but you know, you forget the specific details of that. Uh, mm -hmm. You do remember that memory, but you do tend to embellish it. But what right. you will never forget is if your kid catches a foul ball or your grandchild, uh, you know, gets an autograph of his or her favorite player um, or, you know, grandpa comes back and sits down and, 
you know, sits on his cotton candy or something like that. Those family memories, those those memories with with friends. Um, you know, if you're out there on a thirsty Thursday and someone rolls and rolls the dice on the seventh inning and wins 500 bucks, you're not going to forget those experiences because no, you're not there for the team um, in that instant. You're there for your friends. You're there for your family. And okay. those are the types of memories that you're you're always going to take with you. Um, and, you know, whether it's at a Christmas dinner or a 4th of July barbecue or on Easter or whatever, a birthday, someone's going to bring up that memory and it's, it's going to, it's going to tie the family closer together. It's going to tie your friend group closer together. And so Mm -hmm. hopefully what you're getting when you come out to a Pippins game every summer is not, is seen beyond why you're buying a ticket or why you're buying the hot dog. And and using that opportunity to to connect with friends and family a little bit, you know, in a in a different way, in a fun environment, in a relaxed environment, uh, things have become, especially after the last couple of years, and and we know society has tended to become more and more polarized polarized even before COVID. But one of the things that COVID really took away from all of us is the chance to play. And for for different people, that means different things. For athletes, yeah, you didn't have a chance to play a game. But for people who enjoy going to the to a theater and that is their way to to play, they couldn't do that either. We couldn't go outside in groups to you know play outside or go to the park and things like that. We had to pretty much be siloed, and so we all really lost that opportunity to play together in whatever shape it or form that that took. And I think that as we try and, and get back into more of a normal sense of what our lives used to be, having a gathering spot around a game, um, which is, you know, not designed to be slower, but it's slower than basketball. It's slower than football. You know, you can you can get up and walk away for an inning and come back and, you know, you really haven't missed much. Um, you can get up from a football game and and go get a hot dog or whatever and come back and you've missed three scoring plays and you don't know what the heck's going on anymore. Uh, but hopefully that's what you've got the opportunity to do when you come to a Pippins game. We've got great nights here. We've got great sunsets. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little bit hotter than than we, we like. Uh, one game last year, we started at nine o'clock. Uh, because it was 110 degrees that day, and it was still around 98 at first pitch. But you still have that opportunity to to sit and relax and wind down and just have fun out there. And that's really what I'm hoping that people will take from that, the chance to build those memories rather than, um, you know, just going out to to a ball game for a couple hours and then forgetting about it. I want you to build and leave leave with something personal to you um, for for being with us and, and letting us provide that opportunity and that outlet. On average, how many people are attending Pippins? I know it's kind of hard with COVID and all that, but what's, you know, what's a, what's a, a good crowd for the Pippins? Uh, in our first seven years, we're averaging over 1,200 people a night. Uh, okay. And, you know, that, that runs the gamut. You'll get... Sure. 2,000, 2,200, 2,500 on opening night, and you'll get a good mm-hmm. crowd on 4th of July and, and closing night. And, you know, if it's really hot, some nights you'll get 800 to 1,000 people. Uh, I was going to say that 9, 9 p.m. start time, you might have lost a few folks. Yeah, we did lose a few folks then. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, you kind of expect those nights too. Uh, it, you know, it's no different than if it's going to be rainy, uh, which during the summer we don't get a lot of rain here in Yakima, which is uh, fine by me. Um, but you know, 12, 12, 1400 people, um, is, is a good size crowd. Um, and then on our bigger nights, on our giveaway nights, on our fireworks night, 17, 2022, 2500, those are really fun nights too. They keep you hopping. Right. So since you're a newer team, I don't know if there's an answer. I don't know if you can answer this question in the completely yet. Has any of the Pippins former players made it to the show. Yes, we've had, um, we've had three pitchers who have uh, made it to the majors. Uh, 
Okay. Um, Eli Morgan is uh, playing for Cleveland. Uh, Wyatt Mills was on the Mariners roster last year. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that um, the, the three major league players that we've had are all pitchers because, you know, you, you would expect that it would be easier potentially for a position player to make it, not a pitcher. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things that, that has, you know, caught the attention uh, of us here is, Hey, we've got three pitchers up there um, okay. or now, or in the past that have been up there. So that is, that is different. And I wasn't really expecting that we had um, a, our, the league MVP in 2014, Vince Fernandez was, um, was an outfielder and uh, he, you know, he was league MVP. And so we thought, oh, well, this guy's gonna, you know, he's gonna make it in a, in a few years. And, um, and lo and behold, uh, you know, a few years later, it was, it was a pitcher, number one, I think he went up there in 2019. So five years after we started. Um, But, uh, you know, it, that was kind of surprising. But who knows what will happen in the future? Last summer, uh, we had uh, an outfielder who came out of nowhere. Um, a great kid, uh, Noah Williamson. Um, he was drafted by the Marlins in the 19th round, and he signed. Um, he signed late in July, and um, he was the the second player who was drafted during the season to sign and, and leave the team. So uh, as uh, minor league baseball is starting uh, this, you know, tomorrow, uh, April 8th, mm-hmm. and major leagues are starting today, um, you know, we hope to, we'll see who, uh, who the next one is that, that rises right. to the ranks. But uh, it's, it's it, kind it, of exciting to watch. It, it is, you know, uh, when, when the bears were here, um, you know, those are all uh, short season, a uh, players and on, on opening night in 1990 um, there was a pitcher that started for Yakima, Pedro Stasio, and he just threw lights out that night and um, was, was just great to watch. And, mm-hmm. The, after that homestand, the Bears went on the road, and then the Bears came back. And you know, people who had not seen Pedro pitch on opening night, they were saying, "Hey, you got to come watch this guy pitch. This is going to be great. You're going to love it." And as happens in the minor leagues, uh, Pedro was called up. He was gone. Never pitched in Yakima again. So if you didn't <laughs> see him that first night in Yakima, you never got to see him. The uh-huh. and you know that's just how professional baseball works, and it's great. Uh, for for the players who continue to to work up the ranks and and live out their dream, it's not exactly the best fan experience for for those people who want to see them, uh, you know, in their hometown park. The difference that we have is that the players, notwithstanding, uh, you know, what I just said about Noah a few minutes ago, but. You know, the players that come to us from colleges uh, around the West, around the country, they're pretty much with us through throughout the entire summer unless they get hurt or, you know, they're they're just on a short uh, short term contract with us for for whatever reason. But most of the time they're they're around all summer. And that really helps bind not only the sport of baseball to the community, but it allows the fans to really develop. Um, that that relationship with the player as well, even if they just see them on the field or get a chance to talk to them or get an autograph with them one night or a couple of nights after a game, that really means a lot to not just fans, but to the community as well. And so, you know, not just for Yakima, but for all of the other teams in the league, you know, one of the things that that the league tracks is, you know, how many players do we have in the major leagues? How many players do we have every year that get drafted? Um, look, look at what's happening in each of these, these ballparks and each of these teams, because you're seeing tomorrow's potential major league players right here. And we're helping them along their development, uh, both as, 
as baseball players and as young men, as individuals, uh, as future community leaders, future uh, dads, future husbands, you know, it's, it's really the ground level for this. And I think that in smaller communities, uh, you know, outside the metro areas, that's really what connects the sport of baseball to America. Um, and, you know, there are, there's a lot of talk, well, baseball's not America's pastime anymore. And that may be true. That may not be true. But baseball is more successful in those smaller communities where, where the sport really becomes part of the community uh, and part of the roots of the community. Um, and for me here, for someone who was born and raised in Yakima, um, you know, baseball has always been part of my life, uh, even when I wasn't around it. So that's, it's just one of those things that, you know, really grounds you in the community that you live in. And I think that that's what makes it more fun for, for everybody, not just Yakima and the players that we have in the pros, but the whole league as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, that was beautifully said. I'm going to ask you the question. I've asked this of everybody. I've been surprised by the answer. The Pippins. I believe sports have to have rivals. I think a league has to, have, you know, the Yankees. Love them or hate them, they're great for the sport of baseball. Okay? They just are. Who's the Pippins rival? Well, we don't have to look too far uh, down the road for that, uh, our sibling team, the Walla Walla Sweets, uh, you know, our older sibling, um, they are, they are very much our rival. Um, this year, in fact, you know, we're, we're kind of building a rivalry series. Uh, the GM there is, you know, one of, um, my close friends. Um, I, I love working with them. Um, he had an intern down there. Cody had an intern down there that is now my ticket guy. Um, I had an intern in 2019 who worked for me, who is now Cody's ticket guy. So, um, you know, we're very close and we work very closely in the off season and still during the season. But once, you know, you put that all aside once, uh, once the game starts. And so from a rivalry perspective, you know, we always want to beat the other you know, the other part of the family. Um, okay. That's, but, you know, that being said, you know, in this league, and I'm sure you've gotten this before, everybody also always wants to beat Corvallis too, because they've, they've won the championship now five years in a row. So um, it's everybody versus Corvallis. Um, and, you know, those of us who, who work together as GMs, you know, we always, um you know, nudge each other from time to time about things like that. It's all in good fun. We all know that as as much as we want to win, um, and it is much more than just a, a point of pride to win for our communities, we also want to have the best league, uh, mm-hmm. the best summer collegiate league in the country and provide the best opportunity for players. So... As much as we rib each other, um, and as much as we want to beat our rivals, uh, you know, Wenatchee is just a couple hours north of me. So there's, you know, same as Walla Walla is a couple hours south of me. Right. Uh, we want to we want to beat the teams that are closest to us, our, our closest rivals in the league. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would I would stick with Walla Walla for me, but uh, you know, you want to beat everybody when they come to town, and when you and and you really want to beat them when you go to their place because it just makes it makes it so much sweeter. Well said. I'm going to make you listen to Cody's episode so you can hear what Cody said. <laughs> well said. I will, oh, I, I will ask him first so I can prepare it, for that. No, it was, it was all good. No, but here's the here's so as I become more informed about the league, some of the takeaways I have is. Number one, I'm very impressed with the camaraderie within the league between the teams as far as wanting to put the best product on the field for multitudes of reasons, to have the best collegiate league 
all of those things, everyone is saying the same thing. And I, and I truly, it feels so authentic when, when, when you say it, when everybody's saying it, that you are a very collaborative league. That doesn't mean you're not very, it doesn't mean that you're not competitive because you want to win. You, you, you want, you know, you want the Pippins to, to be undefeated in a season. Not going to happen. Baseball, you know, that, that's just the nature of the sport. So I love the, the, the nature of that, that there's this collaborative back of the house, if you will, nature. And then there's the front of the house competitive nature between the teams. Um, I will say Cody, Cody was saying how that they, they like to bring a bus up to, to Yakima and uh, make sure that, make sure that they, they, Yakima knows that we're in the house. So, you know, it was, it was good natured. It was, you know, he, he, they kind of the same thing, you know, that you're there, but everyone wants to be Corvallis because currently Corvallis has been the dominant, the dominant team in the league. A- absolutely. But, but the other part of that is that, you know, as, as much as Yakima and Walla Walla want to, to beat each other and um, you know, the, the opportunity for the fan bus that Cody was talking about, um, you know, we've done that in Yakima too. And that that's part of what we as an organization, Pacific Baseball Ventures, our, our parent company, those are some of the things that we try and provide across our company for our fans because we're in a unique situation. Since okay. we, the Pippins came into the league in 2014, now there are a couple of other ownership groups in the West Coast League who now have multiple teams as well. Um, but, you know, as, as they're growing into their third, fourth, fifth season, second or first season in, in one case with, with two teams, they'll find the same thing that we have found that, um, you know, it's, it's like, well, if, if Yakima can't win it, then we want Walla Walla to win the whole thing. Or if Walla Walla can't win it, then we want those, those guys in Yakima to, to beat everyone mm-hmm. else. You know, there's, there's a lot of that. Um, and I've got, you know, I've met a lot of fans in Walla Walla over the last several years because um, I go down there every year. Um, and there are fans that come up here every year and, and have met some of, of my fans. And so even though there's that rivalry, there is still that camaraderie that we're still trying Mm -hmm. to build within our own teams. And we're lucky enough to be able to, to kind of cross over to another city uh, that's only a couple hours away from us and build those relationships as well. So it's really, it really goes deeper than you would expect it to. Um, And I think that that's one of the things that is really a point of pride for for me here, for Cody um, in Walla Walla, that we're able to build the, that up in a different way. That's you know really not anything that we were expecting. The first time I met Cody um, back in 2017 is when he came up on the fan bus and he was an intern for them. And Walla Walla wasn't coming to Yakima uh, that year to play the Pippins, but we hosted the All-Star game. And so the Walla Walla fan bus came up for the All-Star game. And and we had the Walla Walla mascot, Sweet Lou, up here for that game as well, and the Mariner Moose. So, I mean, it's there are, there are all those different things that you wouldn't expect to not even see, but not even be a part of. And for, for both of our teams, we really have that opportunity to do something that goes beyond. And sometimes we don't even know what it's going to turn out to be like, but you know, the, the four of us, the two GMs, the two ticket uh, ticket managers in both teams, we have a weekly Zoom every Monday, and we talk more than that, uh, you know, in the off season. Um, and we're like one big team that mm-hmm. just plays on two different parks and in sometimes the same night, sometimes different nights. But it, it really it really provides us, too, with the opportunity to have a little bit more of a support system, um, you know the ticket guys can call each other. Cody and I can call each other. Um, you know, Hey, what are you doing about this? 
um, hey, I you know struck out with this idea. What do you think about this? Um, and and we can do that with with other GMs and other front office people around the league as well. It's just a little deeper within our company that we have that opportunity uh, on a daily basis to connect. And I think that that makes it much more special um, for the front offices uh, and you know uh, ultimately for the for the products that we put on the field and the uh, the offerings that we have in our stadiums. It just makes it that much more. Um, familiar and and inviting to me. That's how I approach it. What sort of outreach do the Pippins do within the community? Uh, we try and do as as much as as we can. Um, you know, the going beyond. We we have baseball camps, of course, um, and going beyond that. Um, you know, we try to really reach out and provide that experience. Um, to people who who may not have experienced it before, we've got a great tickets for kids program uh, that um, Washington Fruit uh, is is sponsoring this year, where we we really try and work with nonprofits and groups that serve underserved communities and underserved kids um, to get them out to a even, you know, one ball game and give them a hot dog and a soda and let them and their families experience what we talked about earlier that so many of us take for granted, which is just the opportunity to, to go to a, a movie or, or go to a baseball game. And we don't really give it a second thought. Um, but there are so many people for, for whatever reason that don't have that opportunity. So we really try and work with others on that. We we try and engage with sponsors uh, and other businesses in the community to pro- provide those opportunities for for the community at uh, at large. Um, one of our one of our sponsors uh, this year for one of our fireworks nights, you know, they've bought five hundred tickets that we'll give out to school kids and 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 get them that same experience. And then, you know, we, we try and really connect with the sports teams, particularly youth baseball teams, little leagues, uh, high school teams, to, to really not necessarily try and get them out to the game, although that is, you know, something that we always try and do. But we, we do try and put our, our best foot forward to show, hey, if you, if you work hard if you have a goal, if you are dedicated to that goal, this is what you can become. This is, you know, look at these older kids who are in college or or just going into college in some cases, look at where they are right now and what, how they're trying to focus. Um, You know, West coast league, you've, you've got to be in college. You've got to have college eligibility. You've got to be in, in school. You can't just be, you know, uh, a 98, you know, mile an hour phenom who's, uh, um, you know, just sitting at home right now, you're not going to get into this league. Um, so it's, it's really trying to impress on the youth of today's society that, you know, working hard, working toward your dreams, working toward a purpose, whatever purpose that may be ultimately, um, is, is important. So we, we try and really reach out to kids that way. Um, and, and it, it rubs off too on on parents and families as well. Um, what we're trying to do in that regard. Okay. So, questions about you now. Come back. Come back to you. Are you a coffee guy? Uh, <laughs> yes. It's uh, what eleven fifteen, and I had two cups of coffee. You know, before seven thirty this morning. Absolutely. But have you had any sense? No. I'm see, taking a break a right now. I'm guy. drinking water, oh, but see, no. um, you know, Co- coffee guys don't drink water. <laughs> well, water <laughs> is an important part of coffee, so this is just coffee without the caffeine. Okay, where's a good place in, in Yakima for me to go and get a cup of coffee? Um, there are there are quite a few. Um, CNS Coffee House um, is uh, one that. Um, I, I was just at yesterday uh, for my <laughs> for my second cup of coffee yesterday morning. Um, CNS uh, took over 
and rebranded a place that uh, was by my high school called Tom Tom Espresso um, on 40th Avenue, right by Eisenhower High School. And CNS uh, now runs that. They've got that location. They've got a location out in Terrace Heights. Uh, they've got um, you know a drive-through location um, in another part of town. Um, I swing by there uh, quite a bit during the off season. Um, I will usually I will take a lot of meetings um, at the old uh, uh, train depot, Northtown mm-hmm. Coffee. Um, yep. You know, so I'm I'm in there quite a bit uh, meeting with folks. There are lots of places uh, to go and, and grab coffee. And, you know, as much as coffee is a big part of Seattle, um, it's also a big part of Yakima. I think uh, everywhere in Washington that you can if you yeah. can't find a place to get coffee, boy, then you're you're going to another town or something to quickly get some coffee. It, it's really quite interesting to me how. Uh, when I have these conversations and I drink, I love, I love coffee. I'll drink diner coffee. It's not that I'm a coffee snob per se. I mean, I love, don't get me wrong. I love good, good, good coffee, but I'll drink diner coffee and be just as happy drinking diner coffee. There's very few places that you're only going to find diner coffee in Washington state. Every little town has somebody who's delivering a quality coffee product some way or another. So, yeah. Yeah, and in in you know you can uh, you can call up places and place an order and they'll come to you. There's uh, a former intern of mine um, got in on the ground level a couple of years ago on a place called Coffee Now, and you call them up with your order and you know they they don't cater to individual orders. They want you to you know get 10, 15 people okay. uh, to place their order and they'll drive their van to you and and make the coffee right there and you know so you know wow. come and on over a, is that in Yakima? Yes. Come on over. We'll 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 set up shop at the stadium and we'll get 15 or 20 friends We'll place an order. We'll have them come out and deliver coffee to us. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. That's very cool. Okay. I'm driving through town. It's lunchtime. Where should I go for lunch? Well, if you're driving through Yakima, um, weather and you probably already know this because everybody knows this. Every sports team in the state and Idaho and Oregon already know this. If if you're going for a burger, then you've got to go to Miners. Um, and every sports team stops there. On a football Friday night, you'll see, you know, eight or nine buses, school buses out there. Um, and so that's one place to go. Um, my go-to place uh, for uh, a good steak is Waterfire Restaurant uh, out by the okay. airport. Um, which has just great, great steaks. I also love the mac and cheese there. Um, and one of my favorite things is is macaroni and cheese. I know I'm not okay. the only person in the world who loves mac and oh. cheese. Mac and cheese is um, awesome. My uh, favorite Mexican restaurant, and this is a point of contention with anybody who lives in Yakima because there are great taco trucks all across town, um, is uh, Soshi Milko. Uh, there is there are a couple of Soshimoko restaurants all owned uh, by the same group in Yakima. My favorite is in the Valley Mall, and um, you know I was there just a couple weeks ago, and that's that's a good place for Mexican food. It's a great place for margaritas. I love that as Let well. Let me put you on the spot. What, why, why do you pick that one, and what do you, what's your go to meal? Um. I pick that one, uh, which is on the other side of town from where I live, uh, but it's close to the ballpark. So that's that's right. good, too. Um, I pick that one just because it used to uh, it used to be a different bar and restaurant. And uh, one of my friends uh, who now lives in Seattle area, he was the marketing manager for the mall there. And so we would often go there uh, after yeah. after we got off work. Um, or on weekends. So I'm, I'm just familiar with that location and okay. love that location. It's a great layout, great restaurant. Um, my uh, go-to is chicken enchiladas. I love chicken enchiladas. 
uh, rice right. and beans. Yes. And then a good margarita okay. to go to go with it. All right. And when you're not the general manager of the Pippins, and what do you like? When to do would for, that be exactly? I well, I the third Tuesday of November. Maybe if it's the the fourth <laughs> Thursday on Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, maybe that day. <laughs> but what do you what do you like to do for fun and entertainment when you're not being the GM? Um. I like to sleep. I would like to sleep more. Uh, you know, that's that would really be nice. Um, I, I forget what that's like at times, especially this time of year. Um, I I like to travel uh, sometimes. Um, most of the time, I just do like to relax and you know read a book, listen to an audio book, just kind of unwind. Um, All right you know, getting out of, um, getting out of the day-to-day mindset of a GM is, uh, is not something that's very easy for me to do. So I try and distract myself as much as I can with, um, you know, with other types of stories, uh, just so I can concentrate on that rather than concentrating on all of the things that I know that I've got to get done before the next day, the next week, the next summer, um, and, and that takes a lot of work to distract me from that type of stuff. Okay. One question that I totally forgot to ask, and I've asked everybody else, and this is bolting it onto the end is awkward. How, what's the Pippin's philosophy on building the team? Um, probably very similar to everybody else's. We want to get the best athletes, um, from, you know, the colleges that we work with, we want to build new relationships with new colleges, new coaches, uh, as much as we can, um, every single year it's, but, you know, trying to build a winning team to some respect misses the point. You, you want to have success on the field. You want to win, uh, because that's how that's how society measures success by winning um, and the wins and losses, more runs on the scoreboard. Um, but as as athletes grow and mature um, and eventually find themselves out of the sport, as happens to every male, every female who participates in any competitive sport really how you measure that win is in what they do next and what type of person they are. And so I think that one of the things that we really try and look for as much as we can, when we're talking with college coaches and others is not, Hey, you know, how, how hard can he throw? Um, you know, how far can he hit a ball? How far can he hit, can he run and catch a ball? Mm -hmm. Those things, when we're dealing with players at that level, um, who are, who are being suggested to us, we know that they can play the game. Otherwise they wouldn't be being offered to us or suggested to us. But really where we will win in the long run is what type of a, of a person are they? What type of family do they come from? What Mm -hmm. makes them want to get up every day and improve themselves? So we're really trying to foster that mental and emotional growth. Um, As, as I said earlier with, you know, becoming a better, a better person, uh, becoming uh, you know, a future husband, a future dad, um, a future coach, um, whatever their life after baseball in this instance is going to provide, we want them to really succeed at that. So it's, if they're succeeding at baseball, that's great. That's also very temporary, although those memories will last with them. But if it's going to help them become a better person and a better community member and a community leader. That's really what's going to 
hearken back to their days with the Pippins. And that's what people here will remember. Um, as, because we always keep track of people that, you know, we re grew up around or we, we remember. Um, and if we can say, hey, that guy became, you know, not just uh, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, but that guy helped develop this with this group of people and it changed the world or changed the community in this way or, or in this area. That's the type of person that we're trying to develop. And hopefully some of that shows shows up and uh, results in in home runs or strikeouts or, uh, you know, wins for the Pippins and, uh, you know, a division championship or a league championship. But in the long run, and I think that, you know, every other GM um, will, and, and really uh, the coaches too, uh, all the coaches would say, you know, what they do with their lives after the sport is, as important, if not more important, than what they're doing with us. We're just trying to help them along in that journey. Okay. Wonderful. What didn't I ask you that I should have? Boy, that's a really open-ended question, isn't it? I know. I know. Um, it's, it's my catch-all. It just lets me, you know. You know. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything. You know, it's, it's really... I think that we could probably sit and talk about baseball in Yakima for, uh, you know, with me for days, uh, just because sure. it's been a part of my life ever since I can remember. Um, and, you know, mentioning like I did before about how the tendrils of baseball kind of, we we're trying to weave it into a community uh, or we weave it into this community, you know, it's really permeated um, my life, my family's life. Um, you know, for you know, during during the great times um, and during really tough times too. And you know, so I think that um, hopefully, if we can provide the experience that we want for our fans and our community. Uh, when the Pippins are in town um, for 32, 35 nights a year. Um, hopefully it will help people not just during the good times, but it will also give them um, some, some hope, some basis that, hey, you know, you can't win every game. Um, and sometimes, you know, even when you're winning, you're going to end up losing the game. But if if you can be persistent, if you can keep a positive attitude, um, if you can keep your focus, not just, you know, both on the here and now, but on the ultimate goal as well, um, then the sport will be, will be really good to you. And one of the things my grandfather told me and my brother when we were very young, and, and he used some rather flowery language, which I will not use right now. Uh, but he said, basically, you know, you don't try and cheat the game of baseball because if you do, the game of baseball will cheat you. And that's that's very true. And like I said, he said it in a much more colorful manner. Um, but but it, that goes beyond beyond baseball. It's it really applies <laughs> to everything that we do in in every profession. Um you know, whether it's work related, whether it's in family life, personal lives, uh, you know, if if you give your best, if you are honest about what you're trying to do, um, you know, give it that that honest mm -hmm. try, um, you know, whether you win or lose is immaterial. Uh, you'll succeed. You will learn in the long run um, and really having the opportunity to join the Pippins in the role that I am uh, now in, you know, in 2015. Um, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I, I wasn't looking to make a change, uh, but it is one of the, the best things that has happened to me. And I've met some incredible people uh, inside this league, um, inside this company, uh, and outside the league, 
um, that you know I never would have had the opportunity to meet and interact with had I not made this move. And that's something that I'll always remember that I was just so lucky to be able to have that experience that I just fell into. Um, and now I can't imagine my life, you know, baseball in this iteration of baseball, not being part of my life. Okay. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. Talk about the team, about the league, about you, Yakima. This has been a lot of fun for me. All these conversations, they've all been different yet similar, which is really, I like that in the sense that every, every person, every GM, every, everyone that's in your position, all your peers that I've talked to, you all approach it similarly, but with your own personal style. And it's every single conversation has been refreshing and enjoyable. So thank you for adding to that for me selfishly i'm enjoying myself so that's what you know i'm getting i'm enjoying doing this so that's that's wonderful i wish your team success this year i'm gonna have to root for the apple Sox because i'm gonna be working for them this 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 summer but i wish you success until you play us and then let's just have a great game that sounds <laughs> um, good to me yeah if i, I come mean, up there i'll bring you some coffee oh please Please do, because honestly, Wenatchee's kind of lacking. I didn't, shouldn't say that, but I love Wenatchee. I love living here. We moved over here in 2017, and it's been. I enjoy the. I enjoy that, but that's a that's a topic for another day. So, thank you for being on. You're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.